Welcome to the New England Baseball Journal podcast. I'm your host, Dan Guttenplan. For most D2 college teams, the 2020 season is right around the corner, except for one Massachusetts program with a legendary coach. The Bentley baseball team continued its tradition of February play by starting its season about three weeks ahead of schedule compared to other D2 programs. Most noteworthy about the start of Bentley season is that it marks the 54th and final season for legendary coach Bob DeFelice, who is currently the longest tenured coach across all levels of college baseball. We're going to talk about Bob's career, why this is the right time for him to retire, how he plans to satisfy his competitive itch, and what he expects from the Bentley program after he hands it over to the second coach in baseball program history, alumnus Mike Hill. Before we get to Coach DeFelice, I will quickly go through the ways that you can engage with the New England Baseball Journal platform. Number one, check out all of our latest stories at BaseballJournal.com. Number two, get the winner edition of New England Baseball Journal mailed to your home. Click on the subscribe tab at BaseballJournal.com. And finally, number three, subscribe to the New England Baseball Journal podcast on Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, or any of your preferred platforms so that you can get an alert every time a new pod drops. Thanks for listening to the New England Baseball Journal podcast. Here's the longest tenured coach in college baseball, Bentley coach Bob DeFelice. Coach, thanks so much for joining the pod. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's uh, it's great to hear you. Um, congratulations on your decision to retire after uh, your 54th season. It's an amazing legacy as you can see all over campus things are named after you and statues you're the only you're the only head coach in Bentley school history uh what made you decide to retire I think uh my wife had asked me the question and I told her she asked me when I'd like to get done um I said well I don't want to be 80 years old coaching third base and she said well you are (laughs) so I said oops that takes care of that no, I've, it's been good. I, I, I can't, I, you know what? I really, it's hard really to explain it. I just, I think, you know, you know, when it's time, I think. Yeah. Was she, a lot of people, a lot of people would have felt it should have happened a long time ago, but that's too bad. Yeah. <laughs> Was she eager for you to kind of move on to that retirement phase of your life together? I don't think so. I think she's worried uh, what might happen because uh, she thinks I'm going to have too much free time, but it'll be fine. Yeah. I don't. Yeah, you've. Spent- I honestly, have, I haven't really given it any thought. I just, you know, want to get through the year. Yeah, and your your team has actually started already. You played, um, you know, some February games, which is rare for Division Two. How did that tradition come about? Where you're, where you get started so early? You know, we never. We were the last team in the in New England to go south, and uh, because the weather, the money involved, we started our break was. Uh, so we started, once I started to go, I realized how helpful it was. And in those days that nobody wanted to play the Southern teams, So not being very smart, I did. And we started, we, we hooked up a relationship. We always had one with Rollins, John Shogren, who used to be the Bryant coach is a, a great friend. He's down at Rollins, but we started to tie in with Tampa who was looking for a game on the first weekend in February. So we started playing them and um, we, you know, they were national champions. They're all scholarship kids. And it was a good experience for us. And we did not really play poorly. So we started doing it. And then 
his schedule changed, and so we stayed with the idea of going the first week. We played FIT, Florida International Tech, this year. And uh, we got started, uh, you know, first week. It was good. Um, haven't been on a field. It's snowing. It's freezing. We went down there. It was 80 at Melbourne Beach. It was 82 degrees. Sun was out. It was beautiful. So it was good. It was good for us to play. We got killed, but it was good for us to play. Yeah. Good to start off with some difficult competition, just to know what you have to work on. Um, I was thinking, like, so you've spent your entire life in baseball. You've uh, you played, obviously, and then you uh, went to BC. You played professionally. You've been coaching your entire adult life. Do you have a sense of what you'll do to satisfy that competitive drive that uh, you've been able to kind of call upon for the last, you know, your entire life? You know, it not really. I, you know, that's a tough question to answer. I don't really know if, you know, when it's done uh, at the end of the baseball season, I think that's when I'll start trying to figure it out. Um, I'm not going to – I'll play golf, but I'm not a good golfer. I don't care how much I play. I'm not going to get much better. <laughs> so I, I that's not going to be the answer. You know, I'm not some travel nut that wants to travel. You know, I still think I, I have the energy and the want to work, but – I don't know. I volunteer someplace and to be, you want to hear, this is going to be a weird story for you, but you know, I always want to just be a football coach. So when I got out of BC, I started coaching football, Christopher Columbus high school. I was 21 years old. I was the head coach. And so I then went away, came back and then took the job at Winthrop and coached football there for 20 years. So, you know, I might volunteer just to coach football someplace. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. I love, you know, obviously baseball has been my life, but I've always been fascinated with football and uh, coaching football and what's involved. So I might, I might do that. Yeah, I wanted to ask about that chapter of your life because I was reading through your bio at, and you, when you graduated from BC, you co- like you said, you coached football at a high school. And then about two or three years later, you started playing professional baseball How did you manage to stay in shape or, you know, continue to uh, round out your baseball game so that you could play professionally after coaching for two years? Well, I was playing in two leagues in the summer. I mean, I was only 21 years old. Mm -hmm. So I was playing in in the city league and the park league. So I was probably catching over 100 games a year. Um, And then uh, after my third year, the Red Sox approached me about, you know, signing. I got a leave of absence from Winthrop and, went down and played and I got bitten by the bug and you know, it was baseball was like, and I stopped coaching at Columbus. So I had that four year, three, four year hiatus where I didn't. And then I looked in the mirror and I realized, you know, the Red Sox didn't have a lot of catches. They gave me every chance to move. And I just realized I wasn't good enough. So I took the job at Winthrop uh, in 1970 as a, as a teacher and head football coach. Yeah, and it's a the crazy part is, uh, and you would never see this now. You coached at Bentley from 1969 to 1987, the baseball program. As a, it wasn't a full time job, like you said. You were you were teaching and coaching football. Did you ever consider going somewhere else to get a full time job as a baseball coach? No, and ironically, I was looking for a full time football job <laughs> as an assistant. I was never really into the head coach. I always wanted to be a college coach um, and have some say about the game, like be the offensive coordinator. But that opportunity, you know, never really came about. And uh, so I stayed. And then when I came to Bentley full-time, 
you know, it was like a firestorm. I became the assistant athletic director and then the athletic director and, and then trying to, in those days, it was not, it was easier to do than it is now, but it's impossible to do both of them now. So much involved, higher education. And this is before COVID came. It, you know, there's so much complexity and things going on. So I was, I was lucky. I was fortunate that I was able to do both and the school allowed me to do both. So, yeah. Did you ever interview for any head coach, head football coaching positions or not even head? Cause you said you would have been fine, you know, as a coordinator or an assistant. Yeah. yeah. I talked to Barry Gallup when uh, he got the job at um, Northeastern and uh, talked to him about being the offensive coordinator. And, uh, and I think he was interested and he, he said, he came to me afterwards and asked me to be the defensive guy. And uh, he said, Tom Lamb's going to be offensive coordinator, but I want you to be the defensive coordinator. I said, Barry, I don't even know how to line up four deep in the secondary. I don't even know how many guys are on the other side of the ball. <laughs> he laughed. And I, and I stayed here. Um, I think then, you know, I start, things started to change a lot at Bentley. We started to grow. We took off like a lightning rod and uh, building the fields and the arena, all that stuff started happening. So I never really thought about anything. It was like 180 miles an hour while I was here. So it's good. Yeah, that's great. It was uh, good. Now, now, how do you do, how do you coach college baseball mm-hmm. as a part-time job? Like, because now it's a, you know, recruiting is a full-time job and then, you know, training, off-season training, strength training, all that is a full-time job and keeping up with the players during the, to find out what they're doing during the off-season and make sure they're prepared. What, what, what were you, what was all that like? Like, how did you recruit back then when you were doing it part-time? Well, you got to understand now, when I first started, we played 20, college baseball is so different than it was when I started. Like, it's not even close to being the same because in those days you could play, but we had a lot of football players play uh, baseball. We had a lot of hockey players at Valley play baseball. So you could play two sports and uh, without any problem. In fact, that's why I think we were good in the beginning is we had a lot of two-sport athletes that were playing baseball. Um, but as time went on and people started going south and football started really ramping up at the Division Two level where spring football now became pretty important. And the season started in the middle of August. And, you know, it was, so football changed. Hockey, we became a Division One school. That changed. And then baseball with the emergence of fall baseball, uh, which is really important to us at Bentley, I think we spent more time and energy in the, the fall evaluating kids and trying to get stuff done. So baseball became a full-time, four-year sport, as did all the others. Every sport all of a sudden, you know, grew muscles and they got bigger and they expanded. So baseball was the same. So when that happened, uh, then the difficulty was, wow. You got to go see kids play in the summer. You got to see your kids play in the summer, which, um, I, you know, I think is becoming really more difficult. And that's why baseball coaches, it's a full-time job now. Where in those days, there was no full-time coaches because the game changed so much. We play 50 games. We're taking four trips to Florida. Uh, like I said, there's no there's off-season conditioning stuff. So it's, it's hard. Yeah. Recruiting, one thing that helped us recruiting was the school. We, we would, because of the reputation of the school, its academic standing, I, I think we, we really attracted 
Bentley University attracted a lot of quality kids academically who could play baseball. And, and I think that was that was our biggest asset was the university. So. Yeah, and I know you have a professional baseball background, and uh, you had mentioned, you know, your wife saying, you know, th- you're coaching third base at the age of 80. Uh, it made me think, so a lot of times now when you see uh, even even prep school or high school coaches post positions, they want guys who played baseball because they want uh, you to be able to throw batting practice, you know, pitch to the players at batting practice, things like that. Have you been able to continue to do that kind of stuff your entire career? Those days are over, my friend. <laughs> uh, seven, seven replacements, four hip replacements and three shoulder replacements put it in abrupt halt for for me to do any of that stuff. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I've been retired from that world for about 10 years now. Yeah. Do you think you need the coaches to be able to like, when you see those coaches asking for, you know, former players or guys who played in college because they want that stuff. uh, Is that necessary? Do you think? No, absolutely not. In fact, I have two assistant coaches. You talk about recruiting, but the two assistant coaches have been invaluable when it comes to recruiting, screening kids, seeing kids play, and um, one of Mike Kevin Loftus, his big thing is he wants the players to learn how to throw. So they, you know, he has literally trained them. Our batting practices are all done by uh, our, our players, and it's good for them. Number one, number two, with the pitching machines that they have now, you really don't need it. The pitching machines are really invaluable. So that, you know, that's helped us out a lot. Yeah, maybe in the old days. I mean, I threw every day, and you know, maybe that was a what do you want to call it? a macho thing? But it was a big thing in those days, but not, not anymore. The New England Baseball Journal podcast will be back after these words. Looking to keep up with all the latest news and information on New England baseball? New England Baseball Journal and BaseballJournal.com are the premier resources for information and inspiration on the New England baseball scene. Have every issue of New England Baseball Journal, the magazine, delivered to your home or office. And don't forget to stay in the game every day with a digital subscription to BaseballJournal.com to receive baseball coverage on clubs, college commits, prep and high school, Division I, II, and three colleges, showcases, rankings, and much more. Get in the game and behind the scenes now by going to BaseballJournal.com. Just click on the subscribe button and start the subscription that is right for you today. New England Baseball Journal is a Siemens Media publication. Siemens Media. Inspiring. Informative. Insightful. I was reading a story. We actually did it, I think, uh, for your 50th uh, year as a coach. And it was we kind of talked to a lot of alumni and guys who are currently on the team. And it seems like just a staple throughout your tenure is just the relationship building and the way you've managed to connect with players. I wonder, it, was that an intentional thing that you did when you took over the program and started the program, or when you're looking back, is it just something that happened? No, I think I, I think it evolved into that. Um, you know, here I am at this point. I, I keep telling them I'm not a coach. I really I don't know what a coach is. I'm a baseball player who can't play anymore, and so my attachment is the fascination of the game. I'm fascinated, even at this point in my life. So I, I think my involvement here at Bentley, or as a, if you want to call it as a coach, has been just a baseball player. And I, and I think our expectations here are a lot different. 
it's about behavior. It's about learning how to play. It's like, you know, I'm not teaching some kid how to go from hitting 250 to 300 or throw the ball at 84 to 90. No one's doing that. That's, you know, I, I don't want to get into it. But my so my thing was more of like being a player and, and what went on in your mind as a player when you played and what you believed in. And I, that's what's carried over, to be honest with you. I tell everybody, here's, here's the way I look at it. Being, being a football coach for 20 years and, and at the high school level, it was unbelievable. You played once a week, um, you know, the amount of time if you lost and then the amount of time if you won. It, there's so many variables. In, in baseball, you play every day almost. So you don't have time to dwell on anything. It's like you got to – and that's to me, is one of the advantages of baseball. So people ask me, what's the difference between the two? I, and I – and I'm not knocking baseball, but, you know, you're sitting in the dugout. you got a kid that can run. He's going to steal. If you're down by a run or two, you're going to bunt the guy over. And if the pitcher is getting ripped, you're taking him out. <laughs> it's not rocket science. So I, I think the question is, is it, is it difficult to physically coach football and mentally versus baseball? It's two different animals. So the coaching part of baseball, is trying to get them into, from my perspective anyway, is to get them into knowing more about the game. And today's player, and I guess I'm going to be critical, knows very little about playing. Mm -hmm. Like the old guys, that older guys that played here years ago, they come back and they see me and they're like, Coach, we can't believe. Uh, we cannot believe. We, we can never play there. I said, oh, you should could. They're probably bigger, stronger, faster, and even better, but they don't know how to play. And those guys knew how to play. And I think that's one of the most challenging things at this point in my life is dealing with the lack of knowledge of the game of baseball. And, you know, as I said, to, to me, it's scientific. Uh, and to them, it's, you know, it's go out, hit the ball, feel the ball, throw the ball. There's a lot more to me. I don't know if younger players – grow up, you know, watching baseball on TV every night or, you know, watching game, going to games as much anymore. Cause there, you know, there's so many more options out there. Uh, you hear about people complaining about the, the time of play all the time, you know, games are going three, four, three and a half, four hours. And there's just so many, you know, you can watch a movie now, you just pull it up and watch it whenever you want for two hours. I feel like that's kind of, um, uh, part of the reason why guys, you know, maybe don't know as much about situational stuff when they get to high school or college, just because they don't grow up watching the game as much. No, they're not. This, they, I, you know, I, people ask me about, uh, all right, take the, take today's player versus the player of back in when I first started, or even when I played, um, I, I have more respect for them now, even though I just kind of made a negative comment about it, but because they have so much, so many things that they have to deal with. Like when we were, we, we were younger, it was like, get out of the house, down the park, and you played. That was it. There wasn't any options. And today, there's so many distractions, options, gadgets. It's like, it's, it, I, I take my hat off to the kids that are, that are playing, that are really committed to playing with all the things that are going on in their world. You know, just start with their phones. They just... They live on their phone. Oh my God, it's crazy. But that's just the beginning. And then all the other stuff is. And, and then you come to a school like Bentley where there's so high academic 
uh, regard and there's so much pressure on them to do well and they're really our kids are really into it they're really they do well in the classroom so it's a major commitment that they have to make and uh, plus we don't have scholarships and it's 75 grand to come here and I don't care how much money your family makes it you know to kick in that kind of money is really it's tough it's hard so yeah, yeah that's a pretty significant so my, so my point to you is today's kid especially the one at Bentley they they're they're, uh, they're special for what they have to deal with and what they have to overcome, and they do it. And and I, it's one thing I would never complain about as far as these kids are concerned is their commitment to baseball. It's been, you know, in especially the last ten years, significant beyond belief. Yeah. So, it seems like the the coaching community in in the Boston area is a pretty. It's kind of a small, uh, you know, tight knit community. I remember uh, I used to cover Frank Carey in North Reading. He was a high school coach, and he, um, you know, he ended up becoming friends with like Belichick, and you know, he knew all the all the great coaches in the area, regardless of sport. Like he was friends with all of them. Have you have you gotten a chance to meet you know any of the legendary you know coaches in the area? Do you find that it's a tight knit community? I you know I don't really get into that world. I, I think you know the exposure. You know, as I went through my years as coaching, you know, you just ran into going to clinics and, and as a young guy, even in middle of when I was coaching, I went to all of them. You just learned so much from all of them. It, it was, but not personally. I don't think recently I, I have been connected with any of them. Yeah. I want to ask you about Mike Hill, uh, who will be the only the second coach in Bentley school history. Uh, he played for you. He's uh, a legendary maybe one of the best ever uh what's your relationship like with him well michael he's you know i know everybody that played here is going to get mad but he's definitely the best player that ever played here. he had unbelievable ability and his drive and has been great so played here for four years and then he tried he played professionally for a while came back and um started working here part-time so he's been coaching here for over almost 20 years part-time he's been a tremendous help yeah got a great disposition you know he's you know the kids have tremendous we always have tremendous respect for him his leadership i've always said i hate rah-rah guys that his leadership in his four years as a player but even as a coach is very quiet it's by how he does things you know he just he's he's the best in his profession what he does when he was playing and now as a coach you know, he stresses so many basic things. And and uh, I think, you know, he's – I try to tell everybody, it's definitely going to be an upgrade in the program. So, um, <laughs> Well, that would be hard to believe. I was well, – I think well, there'll be a lot of people here that will say, no, that'll be easy. All he has to do is show up every day. I'm thrilled for him because he – get you know, when he was here, he got it as a player and he, he always has as a coach. And so, you know, I feel good about – whatever was done here is going to be continued. Um, you know, we weren't the New York Yankees. We didn't set the world on fire because uh, if you take a look and see, I'm, I'm about to probably break the all-time record for the most losses in Division Two coming up. But hey, but no. I think what we, what, what we, what I did, and I think Michael is the same, I know he's the same, is strive for other things and, uh, you know, maybe too idealistic. Uh, maybe we should have spent more time on, you know, fundamentals, but um, I look back at it and I see the guys that have gone through the program here and where they are, 
what they've done with their lives. And I feel pretty good about it. I got to be honest with you. I feel pretty good about that. Yeah, you should. You definitely should. You made an impact on a lot of guys. Um, and with that being said, you know, there's been a lot of honoring you at the, at the university, both as a, as a coach and a, a athletic director that you've got the statue, the, the baseball ballpark is named after you, the hockey arena. What is that feeling like? Does it feel like, um, I don't, you know, it, it, that must be a, a thrill when you're getting things named after you that way. All right. So take a step back. I got to be honest with you. Uh, it just goes to show you that you can fool most of the people most of the time. <laughs> no, I, I can't. People, my son, you know, asked me that question one day, you know, and he said, Dad, you're the first guy I know that a statue put up and, and you're still alive. You're not dead yet. And I said, Mike, I have trouble. I really have trouble trying to absorb it. I, I really do. And people think, you know, uh, oh, you're being really modest and humble. I'm not. I'm not modest and I'm not humble, but I got to be I got to be truthful about this. It's it's um, it's it's over. It really is overwhelming. At some point, it's going to hit me and I'm going to walk away and and uh, say, wow. Yeah, I'll say it now. Uh, now you brought it up. I'm like, wow. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think there's going to be a lot of that type of stuff uh, in your last season? A lot of kind of honoring you uh, throughout the throughout the way? None, absolutely none. Um, I, if it, I'll be totally against any of it. I, I just want to finish the year. Um, don't want to make a big thing about it. It's like uh, trying to get trying to be good with this team. It's going to require a lot of work. You know, I've already, it's already started. People have started saying, you know, well, all this. I don't want to hear it. But I just, I want to get through the season. Um, season's over. It's over. I, I'm not, you know, I'm not going. I'm not disappearing. I'm, I'm done coaching. I'll come back here. I love this place. These people that uh, um, that are coaching here are all friends of mine. Uh, the new athletic director is superstar. He's a great guy. He's been great to me. Uh, so. It you know I just I won't have to get up at eight seven o'clock in the morning seven days a week anymore. Yeah, are you uh, are you at all uh, disappointed that the last couple of years of your coaching career will kind of overlap with the pandemic when it seems like so many coaches, you know, were a little down about how things you know obviously there was a cancellation of one season and then last year you know was shortened for a lot of people and restrictions and all that stuff. Well, that kind of diminish the way you feel about the end of your career at all? Not really. Um, devastated. It was probably one of the best teams uh, we ever had. We were down in Florida when we had to come home in March. And uh, it was talent-wise. We had all – it was an older team. And I think the most difficult thing was to get out and tell them, that, you know, the season was over. None of them ever recovered from it. I, I kind of didn't either because – it just, uh, I don't know, I can't explain it. And then when you sit back and look at it, it wasn't, it, it was easier for us. I, I tried to be a 16-year-old kid in high school and have that taken away from me. I don't know how I would have handled it. I don't know how they've done it. Um, so I, it kind of, you kind of forget it yourself. And I go back and I look at the kids that missed the whole year of baseball. And I'm like, well, imagine if I was in high school and I, and I didn't go to school and I couldn't play it. So it, it that kind of overshadowed, you know, what we lost. Everybody lost it. Everybody lost something. And I, 
it's it's not something anybody had control over, but it definitely had a major impact. Uh, yeah, yeah. I don't I don't think it diminished anything we did. It just it's disappointing. Right. We were all everybody was everybody in this country was had a major disappointment in a story, and so we were no different. Um, it just you know you bring you bring it up, you talk about it. It's in the past, and it's like, all right, did we get anything out of it? I, I did a greater appreciation. And I think the kids did a greater appreciation of, uh, of playing. So, yeah, that makes sense. That, that, that would make a lot of sense. Now I saw you have four kids, seven grandchildren. Are they, are they around or will you have to travel to see them or what, uh, how, how will you spend time with them? No, they're all around. No, they're all around. Uh, yeah. um, so the, all my Actually, all, all of my children live in Winthrop. Yeah. So it's a 1.7 square miles. So it's easy. Um, and they're all around. They all went, most of them went to Winthrop High School. Three of them are in New Hampshire. But no, I see them a lot. Oh, that's great. Yeah. And now, is there anything, last question for you, is there anything uh, that, you know, in this final season that you, you have on, on your to-do list to kind of complete your legacy? Or uh, you said it's a young team, so just kind of stay on top and make sure they're maximizing their potential? Yeah, I think, you know, I, I'm not changing. It's not like, hey, this is my last year. We're going to do this. It's like another year. It's going to take a lot of work uh, for us to be good which I think we can be. And so that's what the focus is. Yeah. Um, it's, I, I don't want to be, you know, I, I don't want to be contrary to it, but I don't look at it as my last year. It's another year. And then at the end of the baseball season, that's it. It's over. I'm not a nostalgia guy. I just, I never, you know, I never bought into that personally. Well, I appreciate you uh, taking some time with us before. Well, I guess you're you're into your final season now because you guys have already gone down to yeah. Florida. But thank you so much. Congratulations to you on uh, coming up with the announcement. I know you have the whole season ahead of you. So good luck to you in your final season. Okay. Thank you. Thanks again to Coach DeFelice for joining the pod. Before we close out, a few programming notes. Rate, review, subscribe to the New England Baseball Journal podcast on your preferred platform. Be sure to subscribe so you can get an alert every time a pod goes live. To keep up with all things New England baseball, visit BaseballJournal.com. Click the subscribe tab to get the winter edition mailed to your home or office. Follow us on Twitter at NE underscore baseball. Thanks again for listening. The New England Baseball Journal podcast is a Siemens Media production. <laughs>